All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. If you guys would, go ahead and find your seats. That would be awesome. Go ahead and find a seat. That'd be great. Yes. If you're wondering to yourself, is this an actual Letterman's jacket? The answer is yes, it's true. And if you're wondering to yourself, is that actually your Letterman's jacket? Yes, it is true. All the way from high school. Come on, give it up a little bit. That's... That's got to be worth something, right? That you can still fit into it. I do need to let you know, though, that uh, I've, you, know, you start to see people, as soon as you get a football in your hands, they're kind of like, throw it to me, throw it to me. Don't tempt me, all right? Seriously, don't tempt me. I've told myself, don't throw the football in the church, and I really don't need a lot of temptation for that, okay? The other thing I need to let you know is that I'm a bit restricted in this. Um, yes, this is really buttoned up, um, and no... It, it, it's not that I couldn't button these. I just thought it looked cooler, all right? So um, just, trying to, just trying to be real with you, all right? Um, it, it's actually holding every, all, all the body parts are inside, so it's good to go. Um, but my, I am a bit restricted in my movement. So if I feel a little bit like a robot, it's because I really can't lift my hands much higher than this, okay? I, I'm afraid of ripping the jacket, all right? It, it feels good right now. Just don't move much. So, yes, why do I have my Letterman's jacket on and a football? Well, if you can't read, the, um, the, the title of the sermon today is Huddle Up. Who, who's already watched a football game since uh, football season started? No, seriously, let me hear you. Who's watched a football game? All right, now we're talking, now we're talking. Okay, so um, it's good, it's good, I'm glad. That's what I like about Nebraska, is that we are, we are a state that works hard and we play hard, and I like that, that's awesome. Uh, how many of you guys were, um, this is for uh, mainly the men, but how many of you men were uh, on a football team when you were in high school? Anybody? All right, all right, we got a, all right, there we go. I'm, there, I'm pretty sure down the gym it sounds probably more like, ooh, ooh, like that, but it's okay. It's all right, all right? Um, down in the venue. It's a whole, whole other group. It's awesome down there. Um, all right, so how many of you guys, uh, or ladies, how many of you were maybe um, cheerleaders? Any cheerleaders? That wasn't too cheery, all right? I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, not a lot of cheers. In fact, I didn't see anybody get up and do any kind of movements. But it might be more like me. My jacket won't let me. Sometimes our age won't let us either. It's okay. Um, it happens. We all have to get older, all right? And we all have to get larger, evidently. So, um, all right. So how many of you guys, um, how many of you guys maybe were in the pep band or you were in the band? Yeah, you can't forget about the band, people. How about, let's not leave anybody out. What about the folks that you served at the concession stands, right? Any of you guys? All right, anybody just attend? All right, we do have one. All right, any just attenders? All right, you guys all went to a high school football game? Yeah, I mean, they were fun, right? We went there, you sported your colors, uh, you, you know, you tried to dog the other team, uh, you tried to show great, um, you, know, um, you know, I'm loyal to my team, all that kind of stuff. So getting started into the football season again this year, I thought it might help you out a little bit. We're gonna do a little pop quiz on football. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for the pop quiz on football? All right, now this isn't one of those things like it's pass-fail. All right, you'll just know it in your heart if you passed or you failed. So we got to get all pumped up for this. So high-five three people right around you and say, let's get pumped up. All right, really quick. Let's get pumped up. Let's tell them, boom, boom, boom. Let's get pumped up. All right, are you ready? Here we go. How many points do you get? I want you to yell this out. Or if it's a gesture, I want you to get up and I want you to act it out. Okay, are you ready? How many points do you get for a touchdown? Yell it out. All right, the answer is 
Six. All right. Very good. I heard mostly six. Okay. How many points do you get for an extra point? One. That is correct. Yes. Survey says one. Okay. Um, now, here comes a unique one. Get ready for this, all right? How does the referee indicate that it's a good field goal? <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. And all right. High five, someone. You guys are doing good. You're doing good. You're doing good. All right. You're doing good. Let's, uh, let's keep going, all right? What hand gesture does the referee make for a face mask? All right, pulls down his face, and something like that. I'm not really sure what this guy's doing. I don't really know what he's doing. All right, how many points do you get for uh, safety? Two. Two. All right, very good. You guys are doing well so far. Now, here comes a tricky one. Are you ready? Okay, concentrate. All right, what is the hand gesture that a referee makes for a safety? Very good. Answer. And yes, it is that. It is whatever that is. Um, that's a safety. Okay, so we, we only got a few of you, but now you know. It rarely happens, but when it does, you're in the know. All right, last question. This is where you can redeem all of the mistakes you've made throughout this entire quiz so far. How, and, not, you, and you got to act this one out, okay? Um, how does the referee indicate that there's a first down? Yes, yes, and that's exactly what he does with a whistle in his mouth. I love it. I love it. All right. Very good. You guys did good. You did good. All right. You guys qualify as official football fans. It's awesome. Very good. Yeah. I'd clap for myself too, but my hands won't reach each other. That's why I'm hanging onto this ball. So uh, football. <laughs> you think I'm joking? Um, <laughs> This ball is just the right spot right here. Um, football is a sport, obviously, that's loved by quite a few people, hated by others. <laughs> all right? I understand it. How about everybody cheer that doesn't like football? All right? Let's let you guys do it. Okay. All right. So they're probably all down in the, down in the venue. We got three people here. Um, the, uh, the football... The pigskin, or whatever you want to call this, this is the iconic symbol of football. Without this, you can't play. You can take this, though, to any field or any backyard, and you can play football. Uh, but just because you go to a stadium doesn't mean you're going to play football. If they don't have a football, they don't have the actual ball, you're not playing. So the, the ball itself has become really the iconic picture of football. You know, Christianity, back at the beginning, when it first started, had an iconic symbol that was shared amongst believers. You, you might know it. You probably see it more on the back of cars. It's actually called an ichthus. The ichthus was, was something that was drawn in the dirt um, between two believers during great times of persecution so that they could identify one another. Who is safe? Who's someone that is friendly? Who's someone that believes like I believe? And they would especially do that to rally together and to find other believers in the midst of new communities. And then they would, they would often meet together even in homes. Now, this is one drawing of the ichthus. Actually, uh, biblical historians believe that the actual ichthus looks completely different than this and that it makes up the uh, five letters of 
uh, the word uh, in the original language. It's quite, quite interesting, but this is the one that kind of stuck. This is the one that kind of became the artistic value, if you will, of today's Christianity. So just like the football is the iconic uh, piece for the sport, so has the ichthus over time been our, our, our drawing, if you will, that kind of draws some Christians together. We also obviously have the cross since Christ. Uh, that's, a, that's an important uh, image. You see, it on, you see it around people's necks, but I think we've come to understand the fact that just because you have a cross doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you wear a cross doesn't mean that you act like a Christ follower. Or, you know what I'm saying? So there's really something about that. Now today, what we want to do is we want to kind of show you how is the church of 2014 still living out what the early believers did when they met together? as they would draw this iconic symbol in the dirt and find one another, what were they doing when they were meeting together in homes? We call them today small groups, or here at New Life, because we're New Life, we call them life groups. Life groups are groups of people that meet in homes. They meet in homes all around our community. We have a lot of different life groups to offer you. In fact, in your bulletin today, you'll find that there are uh, many of them listed in a booklet. Now, all that information is also online for you, and there's also a table that's out in our information center of where you can find more information about life groups. But this is our way of hanging on to uh, this early church component of where fellowship was built, of where believers met together, where they inspired and encouraged each other, where they grew. I want to highlight for you today, um, while, while we have our time together, over these next 30 minutes or so, I want to highlight for you the bond that happens between Christians when they meet together in homes versus just meeting together in an auditorium. At New Life, New Life, we have three services that are going on, and on September the 21st, there's four services that are going on. You know, our goal is always to not have this place packed out. You go, well, that's a weird goal. Well, don't you want this place packed out? Yeah, I do. It's just that once it gets packed out, there's no more room for anyone else. So that's why we have two services, and here we have one service that's meeting down in our gym right now that we call the venue. Welcome to all of those. And then on September the 21st, we'll launch our new church out in North Platte. And so we're just going to continue to become a church that is one church that meets in multiple locations because there's still people that need to know Jesus. There's more people in our community that don't know Jesus and have a personal relationship with him than those that do. And it's our mission to figure out how to communicate the hope that we have in Christ. And I, what you need to know today is that transformation spiritual transformation happens more rapidly in a life group than it does even by attending church on sunday that attending church on sunday is a vital component and that's where a lot of people start their journey but if you want to see rapid growth if you want to see sustained growth if you want to see people fulfilling what jesus said go and make disciples it's happening in homes it's happening with life group leaders it's not happening necessarily just through pastors. It's happening through lay people, people that are just attending new life, that have stepped up to the plate and said, I want to be a life group leader. I'll do my best to lead others. So I want to help you understand how relationships can become stronger through life groups than they can even through attending one of our four uh, worship services at New Life. You'll never get to know people if you, all you do is just walk through the doors. You'll never have the bonds that really keep you rooted and connected if you just walk through the doors on a Sunday. That's why it's so vital and so important that we have 
our life group. So if you'll allow me to, today what I attempt to do, since I was the quarterback of our football team, I've been in a lot of huddles. I want to help you understand what happens in a huddle that will correlate to what happens in a life group. I want to help you understand that. So would you allow me to do that? Okay, very good. Not all of you guys like football, I got it. But if you'll allow me, I'm going to turn around for a moment and have a Mr. Rogers moment. So just pause for a second, all right? I want to welcome you guys to my house. Dun, da, 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 da. Watch out for the little train. He goes behind the wall. He never comes back. Sorry, I don't. It's my childhood nightmares. I don't understand it. I can't really ever figure out why Mr. Rogers always had to take off his shoes when he got in the house and then he put others on. Some people call them slippers, but why do you have to tie them? Okay, all right. Can't figure that one out. All right, so. Um, sorry about it. I, I've, I sidetracked. Six, let me give you five things. Six things. Let me give you five things. Mr. Rogers is in my head. Um, let me give you five things that happen in a huddle that you need to, you need to ha- have happening in your personal life, and they come in the church through life group. The first thing is we call play. Every time we would get together in the huddle, we, the, the moment was there. We had a few seconds. We called the play so that we were in unity. You know what? When the play happened, everything went well. But when we weren't in unity and the play didn't happen well, and I said, hike, and I back up with the football, normally there was about three big dudes right on top of me, took me to the ground, face mask to face mask, and said, I'm coming after you every single play, right? And that doesn't feel good. So in a church setting, we want you to experience unity. We want you to experience, you know, that kind of depth and relationship where you feel like you've got each other's back, where you're calling a play and you're moving together. And in a life group, unity is developed in a church through life groups. Unity isn't developed in a church just by people attending. Unity happens when there's relationship and people have experiences together. They have a bond that happens from that experience. They realize, I need someone to have my back. All right? Now, as people start to be real with each other in life groups, that's where unity happens. And we have a value on being real. We have a value on being transparent. We have a value on sharing life with one another just the way you are. And as you start in life groups, you'll hear each other's stories. It's kind of like calling the play. You hear one another's stories. People get to tell you about who they were, how they came to know Jesus, and now what their life is like after Christ. When you hear someone's story, there's a bond that happens there as well. There's also unity that's developed while we're all trying to play out this same play that's been called, which is become more like Christ. You know, that's the role of the Christian. The role of the Christian isn't just to come to church and learn a few songs so that you can close your eyes and you don't have to read off the screens. The role of a Christian isn't so you can come in and you can know the order of a service, you know when to stand, when to sit, when to give, when to pray, when to leave. That's not the role of a Christian. The role of a Christian is to become Christ-like. That's why it's called Christianity. So to become Christ-like in our life groups, We're trying to play off the same playbook. We're all trying to run the same play together. Wherever you are in your journey, whether this is the first day you're starting your journey and today you're going to give your heart to Christ or you have followed Christ for three decades, we're all playing out of the same playbook. How do I become more like Jesus? Right? So unity, it's, it's, it's like crazy important. We, we need it, not just so that we don't bicker and fight with each other, but so that we have a safe environment to become more like Christ. Psalms 133 says this. says, how wonderful and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in what? Harmony. When they live together in unity. Now the word wonderful there in the original language is really speaking to you. 
How wonderful it feels to you when you're in unity or in harmony with those that are around you. And I think you can say you've experienced that before, right? It feels good to you. Now the word pleasant is being spoken of from a larger perspective. It's the world that's out there. It's Kearney, it's North Platte, it's Ravana, it's Minden, you know, it's Holdridge. It's the church in its community. When the church is in harmony with itself, with each other, when we're functioning as one body, guess what the community sees when they look at new life? They see something that is pleasant. That's what that word means. So when we dwell together in unity, when we're in life groups building these deep relationships with each other, you feel good about it, but the community looks at new life and says, now that's a safe church. I want to be a part of that. That's pleasant. Now, I kind of know what I'm talking about right now because right now we're babysitting two of our grandchildren for about a week and a half. Now, when these two guys are in unity with each other, the whole house is pleasant. But when that one toy has to be played with by both of them at the same time, not only do they not feel wonderful, I don't feel pleasant. When a married couple, when you come home and, you know, you come into that house for the first time, you pick the kids up from wherever they were at, and you walk into the house, you're standing in the kitchen, and everyone's kind of putting their stuff down, and mom and dad hug each other, and that kiss happens right there. They say, man, I'm so glad to have you here. This is awesome. And then your kids, they're little, and they look up, and they're like, ooh, mommy and daddy are kissing. And you think they don't like it? Well, first off, when the couple is in unity with each other, it feels wonderful. It ought to. It's supposed to. But guess what everyone else in the family is feeling? How pleasant that household is. How wonderful and how pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. That's what happens in our life group. So what you're going to find is, is today, I'm going, to, I'm going to give a spoiler to today's message. You're going to find that the, the solution to a lot of my points is join a life group. All right, can you just turn to somebody and say join a life group? All right, because that's, that's going to be part of my solution today. And... Um, so if you don't like that solution, if you don't like that solution, then maybe what I could do is I could pray for 30 seconds and allow you to escape. Would you like that moment? I could do that for you. All right, just joking. I'm not going to do it. If you want to leave, you got to leave on your own. Um, a life group. you got to join a life group. If you want to be on the same page with someone, you want to experience their story, you, you want to you go uh, in the direction that you know, our church is going and where God wants you to be, I'm going to suggest you join a life group. Join a life group and hear other people's stories and share your story. You know what? The, I mean, the greatest asset you have on this earth is not your wealth, not your wisdom. It's your story. Who you were before you came to know Christ how you came to know Jesus, and now how you're living that out. No one can argue with your story. You can memorize the entire Bible and get out on the streets of Kearney and preach it on a street corner. Someone else is going to have a different interpretation of it. They're going to come up to you. They're going to argue that point with you. But no one can argue your story with you. It's one of your greatest assets that you have. So get on the same page. Let's, let's, let's call the same play. And let's get in these life groups where we can build relationships with each other. Well, the second thing that happened in the huddle when I was uh, playing football is that you, uh, you challenge each other to play harder. There was many moments when we stood inside of that huddle and we would inspire each other. We would say, come on, guys, we got this. I know we're down by two touchdowns, but man, we got these guys. They're getting weaker. They're getting weaker. Let's keep pushing harder. Come on, we can do this. And you would challenge one another to play harder. You would challenge each other. You would say, come on, let's leave it all on the field. Let's, play, let's just play our guts out. Let's be the best that we can be. And in a life group, we try to challenge each other to be the best for God, though. 
We try to challenge each other to give the best for God. We try to challenge each other to love God with everything inside of us. You know, we try to come together and we try to help each other recognize and notice the maximum capacity that you have at this very moment to give it all to God. Because you've got to realize that along your journey of knowing Jesus, right, when, when you came to know Christ, you stepped over the line of faith. You went from, you know, uh, maybe an atheistic, agnostic mindset, a pluralistic mindset. You went from something that was anti-God to, God, I want to follow you. You had to give all that you knew how to give at that moment. But you do got to, you have to realize today that your entire journey of seeking after God is day after day giving it all. Some of you don't know what your maximum capacity is when it comes to worshiping God. One of the reasons is because you're too isolated. Have you, don't you remember back in high school some of the crazy things that you did because you were just with someone else? <laughs> now, don't say them out loud, all right? Some of the crazy things that you did when you were with someone else, just by the sheer fact that you were with someone causes us at times to do crazy things. Some of those things can be good. Some of those things can be bad. I realize that. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another. To what? Not, not negative things, but how to stir up one another to love and to good deeds. In a life group, what we have to do is we have to consider how can we do this? Or in the life of a church, in our, the entirety of new life, we have to consider as pastoral staff and as church members like yourself, we have to consider how do we stir one another up to love and to good deeds? To love and to good works. How do you do that the best? Is it just by running into people in the lobby? Is it just by, you know, occasionally seeing each other, you know, at some of the bigger shopping environments in our community? How do you, how do, you do that? Is it just by having a couple over every once in a while for a barbecue at your house? How do we? We should consider this. How do you? That's what the Bible's saying. Consider how you can stir up one another to love and good works. I'm suggesting to you today that the way you consider doing that the best to make it most efficient and most effective is to meet together with one another in a home where you can study God's word together, you can pray with each other, you can do life with each other. You've created the environment now. You're not just considering it. Now you're putting it into action. That's what we do. When we meet together, we challenge each other to play harder. What's another thing that happens at a huddle? You encourage each other um, you encourage each other after a well-done play. That's what you do. There's great times in the huddle, man, when you know someone just got 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, and you get in, you get in the huddle, and you'd be like, dude, man, you know, you're a great lineman. You, you guys just busted open a hole. We could have drove a truck through that hole. Man, our, John, good job, man. You got the ball, and you just ran through the hole. That was awesome. Let's do that again. Let's get out there and do it again. You speak life into each other. You build each other up. You encourage each other after a well-done play. And in our life groups, your spiritual confidence of your personal life, it gets built by others reinforcing your godly behavior. We need that. We need to be encouraged every once in a while that someone notices the good things. Because if your home was anything like my home and raising our four children... It was easy for dad to notice all the things that were wrong. A lot harder for me to notice the things that went really good. 
I, I saw them, but it's like I saw these things that need to change. And in our personal lives, we're more, we're more bent on seeing the things in our lives that still need to change than we are the things that God's doing. And you know what we need? We need some people around us that can see the godliness in us and inspire us and encourage us to become all God wants us to be. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, you can't encourage yourself with your own words. You, it's weird. Don't do it. You can't stand up in this environment, hold up a mirror, and go, doggone it, Jeff Baker, you are a good Christian. Can't believe how good you are, man. You love people like nobody else. You are bad to the bone when it comes to Christianity, man. Not only does it sound weird and like I need to be sent off to some mental institution, but others would even look and go, very conceited. So you can't encourage yourself with words. You encourage yourself with other things. But we need one another to encourage us with words. We all need it. We all need it. Ecclesiastes 4 says this. says two people are better off than one because you can have some of the encouragement. For they can help each other, what? Succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone so, but someone who falls alone is what? In real trouble. I remember one time, I play ice hockey, right? So a couple years ago, about three years, I think now, actually, I uh, was out playing a game in Omaha, and I'm, I'm playing this game, and I'm racing down to the puck, and I'm just, like, booking it, man. I'm going to get to the puck first. I'm going to pass it back to one of my guys. He's going to slap shot it. We're going to score. It's going to be awesome. I've got it. I see it in my head. I'm skating down there. I slam the brakes on. <laughs> Ice flies, slow motion, right? Beautiful. Boom! Someone runs right into me from behind. And I kind of start to lose my balance, but there's the puck, and I'm going to still get it because I'm dedicated to passing the puck and seeing the goal. It's still in my head. And I get hit again, and as I get hit again, my skate blade gets caught in the ice, and my foot decides to go a different direction from my body. I'll stop right there because not all of you pallet that well. I got it. But at that moment... My foot was aiming in a, in a direction that it ought not to aim, and I'm laying on the ice, and I'm in severe pain. So what does any good team do? The team came around me, and what's the very first thing they say? Hey, are you all right? Um, no, I'm still laying on the ice. I can't get up. And then, this, no, I'm not joking. This is exactly what went. That's the first thing, right? Second thing is this. Dude, I think you broke your leg. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Glad, glad to hear that. Third thing, this, I'm not joking with you, right? This is the way a hockey team is. So if you're looking for good support, people that love you, build you up, try hockey. Because the third guy said this, yep, it's broke. Two years ago, my foot looked just like that. I'm like, oh, my word. <laughs> so they go and they get the chair with the special little, like, um, uh, tennis balls underneath the legs. And they set me up on the chair. Now this is the first time I can see. Yep, my leg's broke because my foot's like uh, over here someplace. And then they push me. I'm thinking, dude, you got to take me straight to the hospital. This is bad. This is like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Let's go. What do they do? They push me over to the penalty box. And they say to me, Jeff, we're going to sit you here. we got about seven minutes left in this period. As soon as it's done, we'll come get you. <laughs> Not even joking with you. During the seven minutes, I'm sitting there. My foot's like this. I'm trying to keep my skate above the ground because if it just touches it, it, it hurts badly. I started to go into shock. 
My body starts going numb. And then as they're carrying me from the penalty box into the locker room to get the gear off, to carry me out to the car to take me to the emergency room, my whole body goes into shock. My hands go numb. My cheeks go numb. My lips go numb. They're like, are you doing okay? I'm okay, man. Like, we, my wife's like, we got to call 911. I'm like, I'm okay. We okay. <laughs> Drools come out of my mouth. <laughs> Point of the story. You don't want to break your leg on the ice all by yourself. I would have not, I wouldn't, it, it would have taken a long time to get out of there. So although, yes, I got to sit there and watch them play for the next seven minutes because they loved me. At least I had people around me to help me get up. You do realize in your Christianity, you're, you're stumbling all the time, right? Who's helping you get back up? You can do it by yourself for so long. And then the enemy creeps in and he starts reminding you how bad you really are. And he starts telling you how you're really, really not one of those real Christians. You're just somebody that believes it, but your actions don't match it. We all need people to help us get back up. Our life groups are safe places for people to come for people to say, I'm not perfect. That's what a life group is for. A life group is a place where you can be real. A life group is not a place where we beat each other up. A life group is not that kind of environment. A life group should be a place where you can come and you should be real. I'm falling, and people can help you get back up. So we have to encourage each other after actually well done place. Number four, in a huddle they actually rebuke each other. There are often times we come back to the huddle, and as a quarterback, I'd have to say to the guys, God, listen, man, you are slacking every time that guy keeps coming around the end. you got to play harder. I know you've got that. There's more in you. You can do it. And by the way, the last time we called the play, you ran in the opposite direction that we were supposed to. What is it? What don't you understand about crisscross? Applesauce. On, on two. <laughs> but you would rebuke each other, right? That's just what, that's just what happens. Proverbs 27 says this. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. If you've ever been rebuked by a friend, you know what I'm talking about. In a life group, a life group is a place where the large church becomes small. It's a place where true friendships are built. It's a place where you get to know people better than you ever will on a Sunday morning. That makes it a place where you're actually gonna give people the right at the right time. I mean, you're in the group, the, the, the dynamics of the group builds over a course of time. You're gonna get to a point where you've given people the right to rebuke you, to speak into your life. I remember one time Pastor Roger rebuked me. It was a number of years ago. I sat down in his office. I was sharing my life with him, and he said to me, you're mad at God. I go, I, what? Who are you to tell me I'm mad at God? Maybe that's, not, that's not even your role. And no, no, I'm not mad at God. No, Jeff, you're mad at God, and I think you wanna go pray about that. You wanna consider that. So I kind of walked out of his office like it didn't bother me, but it did. And I found myself down at this altar later on in prayer, like the Holy Spirit just reminding me. Remember what he said? It's true. You are mad at God. And I was able to process through that and get through it because one friend was bold enough to look me in the eye and tell me the truth. See, when you open up your heart and you bear the real you to others, there's things to be rebuked. There's other people around you that know about them, they just haven't dealt with them because they don't feel like they have the right to do it. But when you get into a life group, you give people the right to do that, and you need it. Not all rebukes are from the devil. 
God uses rebuke to shape you and to alter your course so that you can become more like him. So we have to have that in our lives. Where else are you gonna get it? You don't just get it at work. You don't just get it from your neighbors. You don't just get it from family. You have to put yourself in an environment. That's why a life group. You know, open your heart up, share it with others so that you can find some trustworthy friends that although it might leave a little bit of a wound, it's better than a bunch of enemies just patting you on the back going, you're doing good, you're doing good, you're okay, everything's all right with you. The last thing is this. They confess to each other. There were times when we'd come back to the huddle and one guy would come in and go, man, I just missed my play, man, I'm so sorry, guys, I, I can't believe it. Other times people come in so down on themselves. Man, I just don't know what's going on, man. I don't even have this anymore. I should just walk over and sit on the bench and they're starters. I know that they've got it. That's why we needed the challenge. That's why we needed the encouragement. But there were times when they just had to come and confess. And that's what a life group is. A life group is a place where you can come and you can confess. Where you can just be real. And you can say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm wrestling with. This is the question that I have today. Can someone help me find the answer? Can someone help walk alongside me so that I can find freedom? Just like James chapter 5 says, says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what not forgiven only god forgives but that you can be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results when you confess to others that are trustworthy that you've built confidence in you're going to find some healing that's going to happen in your life that you're not going to find anywhere else and some of you are wrestling with sin. You've got things like a millstone around your neck that keeps pulling you down and you can't seem to break free from it because you're trying to do it all by yourself. And when we confess to each other, we open up our hearts and we allow confession to be like a medicine to our soul. But beyond that, confession honors God. It's God's word that says confess to each other that you might find freedom. You're gonna find that in a life group well we're passionate about life groups here and we have a couple that actually lead our life groups they help train our leaders they help keep us on task they they help make sure that the communication of life groups is happening correctly and i'm going to have one of those guys come up here right now would you please welcome with me um rick mitchell as he comes to the platform would you do that rick have a seat buddy Great to have you up here, man. It's awesome. So, um, you know, you're probably all jacked up and excited about uh, a, a series, or a sermon at least, on life groups because you're so passionate about it, right? Uh, I wanted to kind of ask you a couple questions, though. You know, uh, help us understand what is the power of a life group um, in the journey, though, of a Christ follower? All right. Well, thank you for having me up here. And I just, I just wanted to point out, I love this analogy. It fits perfectly, except for one thing. I bet you never had anybody serve pie in your huddle, did you? You, you, you mean like... Like food, like bring food to your, your to huddle? The actual huddle on the football no. field? That no. doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. happen. No. But here at New Life, food is a very important part <laughs> of our life groups. You have to have food and coffee. Co I know you love coffee. I do love coffee. Every life group, so. All right, so maybe there was six things when I said, when I misspoke earlier. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so how does it... How does it What's the power of a life group in the journey of a, of a Christ follower? It's really quite huge. Um, you know, the, the first time that, 
God talked about the condition of mankind in the Bible. It was in the book of Genesis. And he looked down and he said, he saw Adam there by himself and said, it's not good for man to be alone. And that's when he created woman, of, of course. But I think the principle, the larger principle there holds true that it's not good for us to go through life alone. And I, you, you look around and you really see an epidemic of loneliness in this world. It's possible to, you know, to come into church and say, hi, how are you? Doing great. All right. Uh, to go to work and be around a lot of people. But do you truly connect with those people? And if you're not connecting with those people, you're lonely. Mm. Um, and life groups really offer a, a safe environment for you to connect with other believers and other human beings um, on a level that's deeper than, it, than what you get in, in normal day-to-day life. And that's, that's important because uh, life groups are set up around a, a study of the Bible or a study, you know, following up on what's talked about in the sermon or, or something uh, of a spiritual nature. And you connect with these people and these life group leaders. Now, raise your hand if you're a life group leader. Down in the gym, too, raise your hand. I'm a life group leader. Look around. Yeah, I will have a life group this week, this year, too. Um, these are wonderful people. We have amazing life group leaders here at New Life, and they truly love Jesus. And their passion is to help you to grow in your relationship with Christ. Um, and they do that through the studies that they do, but they also do that by being real mm. and allowing you that safe place to be real and, and talk about your doubts, talk about your struggles, talk about things that are going awesome. Um, and so that's, that's, that's huge. But also it gives you an opportunity to serve others in that small group setting. Um, we have great events like Step Out and Serve that's happening next, next week. And those are awesome and a great way to get plugged in and serve. But need doesn't happen just on those certain Sundays of the, the year. They happen all the time. And studies have shown if you step out and serve others in, in need on your own or through smaller groups like that, you're going to grow more spiritually. You know, mm. hey, my neighbor just, just broke their leg. Uh, let's go mow their lawn and rake yeah. their leaves for them. Uh, hey, I have a friend that just lost their job. Let's, let's take them a meal. You know, serving others through... Uh, through your life group really builds up your faith right on those are some significant things um and you just highlighted that that one about serving is highly significant that i think that really portrays that verse that i shared earlier um you know about it um drawing people it, it's enticing to people it becomes pleasant to them and, th- and people notice that beyond the life group as well so how did you get so passionate about life groups where did it re- where did it really all start for you well, I came to know Christ in college, and, you know, I came out of the party scene and had hair down to here and earrings, and it was, it was kind of ugly. Yeah. You did? Oh, I did, yeah. We need to see a picture yeah. of that. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you stories. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I immediately got plugged into a, a life group. You know, they were called agape groups back in the 80s. Um, yeah. But, um, and I had a life group leader. His name was Curtis Guyon, um, and he poured life into me. He, you know... All I did, he had me come study at his place. He, you know, went to eat with me. He, of course, had, had a life group uh, and taught me through that. But it was through that that I really developed a sense of what it meant to follow Christ. Mm. And, you know, he was just doing what he was doing. But the importance that ha- that has, I would not be sitting on this platform today if it weren't for that man. Yeah. Um, just living his life with me as a believer. Wow. Um, and then, of course, I've been in life groups forever since then. And it, 
being in a life group really has given me an opportunity to get my hands dirty. You know, to, to like I said, walk with people when, when their marriage is struggling. Right. To uh, help people when they've had a death in the family. To celebrate people when God answers miraculous prayers. Yeah. And uh, it's when you, those things aren't comfortable. They're out of the ordinary. And when you step out of the ordinary into some place that you don't know what to do, that is, that is faith, and that's when God can reach down and say, yeah, this is where I'm at, and this is what I want for your life. So it's been, it's been rewarding uh, on both sides, both as the attender, the receiver, but then uh, probably even more so as the giver. Absolutely. We have a lot of life groups that are here right now. And so I, I just wanted to ask you very, uh, very quick, just to help all of these folks and everyone you know, down in the venue as well, uh, how, do we, how do we go through all this material? Um, where do we find where all the life groups are at? I think I mentioned some of that at the beginning, but how do I pick the right life group? Do you have any suggestions for us? Absolutely. Um, we have, with, with, from middle school all the way through adult, we have about 50 life groups um, here at New Life. And a, the, probably the best way to get connected is, and this is a rebuke, life group leaders, you need to talk to people around you. Um, and if you saw somebody that, wrote, that raised their hand, um, go up to that person and ask, so what is your life group all about? Okay? That's way number one. Yeah. Way number two, when you step out of this and down in the gym, when you come down uh, past the welcome table, there will be people there uh, that are life group leaders that will uh, be able to answer questions, and there's cards you can fill out. Uh, and that, that you can get information. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great way. I'll follow up with all of those cards that are turned in today and okay. make sure that you get plugged in. Uh, the, another way is to go to our newlifecarney.org, the church's website, and there's a brand new life group link. And if you click on life groups, it comes up with a list of all the life groups that we have here. Yeah. And you can click on those buttons, and it'll give you information about them. Um, and it even goes so far as to tell you uh, what spiritual stage, you know, we talked last week uh, about the, the four spiritual stages, uh, step over the line, walk, run, and give it all. Um, there's groups that cater to different stages in your spiritual journey. Right. And you can even do searches. Uh, there's a search bar that you can search all those things and search maybe if you want one that meets on Wednesday nights um, and that food is served. And that spiritual uh, is for the, uh, the run stage. You can search those, and it will bring up just those individual groups that meet those criteria. It's an amazing tool uh, to find a life group that fits your needs. Awesome. And so Rick and Rihanna are here to help you. Uh, they're the ones coordinating all of this for us, and I really want to thank you publicly. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. You're helping all of us become more like Christ and just your administration and your leadership and your passion. Uh, we're going to put your uh, website up here so the entire world can email you. And we want you, to guys, we want you guys to know that uh, you can reach out to Rick. Rick will be more than happy to help you and direct you in, uh, in the way that you need to go so that you can actually become more like Christ. So, Rick, I want to thank you for being here today. Thanks a lot, buddy. Good work. So... Your, um, your assignment is to go find a life group and jump in. All right? Go find a place to belong other than just a Sunday. Now, if you're not comfortable with that right now, I understand it. Okay? If you're newer and you're kind of wondering, you know, I don't know if that's the step I want to take, I-, I got it. But don't forget, you can go to newlifecarney.org, go click on life groups, and if you are a, what I would call maybe a pre-Christian, you're somebody that is really yet to really make Christ the Lord and leader of your life, just type into the search window, step. 
I still need to step over the line of faith. You're going to find there are groups that are designed right where you're at. They're going to answer some of the questions that you have right now. So let me kind of wrap this up by recapping a few of the things that we talked about. I want to challenge you today. Sign up for a life group or one of our classes. That's it's all kind of joined together. The second thing I want to do is I want to encourage you to give it your best. Give it your best by going into your iPhone or your Android device and put it into your Google Calendar. Just load it right in there. That way nothing else can take that place. Write it onto the calendar that's still hanging on your refrigerator. Do whatever you have to do to protect that time. Give it your best. Put your best foot forward um, or else you'll never truly experience the true power that will happen in your life through a life group. The last thing I want to do is if you're sitting out there right now thinking, I don't have to do that. That's for other people. I'm better than that. Then I rebuke you. Every good sermon needs to have a good pastoral rebuke anyways, doesn't it? No, I do. I, I do. I, I want to I rebuke that, that mindset. I, I want to come to you and I want to say to you, that's wrong. It's not healthy. It's not what's going to be best for you. And as your pastor, I want you to know, these are the types of things that, yes, they might take an extra night out of your schedule. Yep. Um, that might mean that you don't get to work those couple of hours. It might take money right out of your paycheck. You're investing into something that's eternal. You're not investing into something that's just temporal. And so I want to challenge you. Do that, all right? Step out of your comfort zone. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I mean, you don't know Jesus in a personal way. You know about him, but he isn't your Lord and leader. There, you're not going to find in those documents any group um, that is going to really, truly fit all of your needs until you first become part of the life group of Christ. You can go search after all kinds of classes and all kinds of groups and all kinds of religious leaders and seek their advice and read all kinds of books, but until you join the life group of Jesus, then you're, you're kind of just spinning your wheels in the sand and in the snow, and you're not gaining a whole lot of traction. I want to challenge you today. Join the life group of Jesus. You can do that as our worship team comes in just a moment by putting your entire life in his hands. It's simple. It's with all of your heart, the Bible says, to believe in him. It's with everything inside of you to confess that Jesus is Lord. And if you do those things, Romans tells us that you're saved. God said about his own son that he sent his son to this world that whoever would believe in him, you know, would have eternal life. Put your faith, put your hope in Jesus today. Become part of his life group. If that's the, ch- if that's the choice you make today during our worship time, I want to, after the service, I want you to come talk to me. I want to help you take those critical next steps in your life. Confess, Jesus, you're my Lord and you're my leader. God, forgive me of my sins. Come from this day on and direct my path. I want to follow you. And if you mean that with all of your heart, that's awesome. God says, hey, you're part of my life group. You're part of my family. But if you want to sustain that, if you want to build on that, guess what you're going to need? You're going to need a life group on this earth. You're going to need a group of people that will help inspire and encourage you to become all God wants you to be. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. So Father, in your presence today, we come to worship you. In your presence today, we come to declare that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. In your presence today, we come to, Lord, make a a clear confession of our faith that you are Jesus. You are my leader. You are my Lord. Lord, there's people in this room right now that are even making that commitment to you. May they sense the power of your spirit at work in their life. God, may you use life groups on this earth where we train and we we coach, we encourage, we inspire, we rebuke at times. Yes. We encourage all those, we encourage one another to become all that we can in Christ. God, may you use something as simple 
as life groups. You've been using it since the beginning of your church. After Jesus gives his life on the cross, resurrected, and ascends to heaven, they start meeting together in homes. God, you've been using this. This is part of your model. May you use it here at New Life to help us grow in our faith, help us mature in our faith, to help us become more bold, to share the good news of Jesus with our community. Lord, as we worship you over these next few moments, may your Holy Spirit come and meet with us. May you speak to us individually. May you draw us closer to you. May we continue to make these altars in the front of our auditoriums, altars for the hungry. Hungry that are going, God, all I want is you. God, I want my life to be like a life group leader that impacts others. God, I want to find that group of people that help me continue to grow. God, may you you hear the cry, may you hear the prayer of this congregation as we worship you, one church, multiple, multiple locations, worshiping one, the one true God. His name is Jesus. May Jesus reign and may he rule over our individual lives and over the mission of this church and over our community forever and ever. Amen.